What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham. You are listening to Geek Vibes Live. To an all new episode of Geek Vibes Live. I'm your host, Juwan, and we have an amazing panel for today's episode. Our usual suspects, starting with Nick. What's going on, Nick? What up? Pretty tired. <laughs> Went out to the lake yesterday, and I'm sore as shit. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited. <laughs> excited to be on. Excited to talk some fun geek topics. Absolutely, absolutely. Tia, what's going on, Tia? Hey, hey, hey. Um, doing pretty good. We had an awesome top ten this morning and I'm happy to be here at Geek Five Live. Absolutely. That hey, 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 I definitely need you to, to intro that every uh every show now. I love that hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Um, <laughs> it goes it goes perfectly with the uh welcome, welcome, welcome. It goes perfect it goes hand to hand. Uh Without further ado, let's get right into uh, some trailer talk. Uh, we had two trailers this week, so let's start off with Knives Out. Um, trying to, Ryan Johnson's latest uh, film, loaded with talent. Um, this trailer, to me, I, I'm going to be honest. When I first heard that we were getting a Knives Out movie with Ryan Johnson, um, Chris Evans, Daniel Craig, Lakia Stanwell, uh, Stanworth, I can't I can't remember his last name, but Lakia. Um I was really excited because I thought it was an action movie. Um, and then I see the trailer, and it's like a murder mystery. Now, I don't know if anyone else has seen Murder on the Orient Express, a movie that was also riddled with uh, great acting talent. It just didn't live up to uh, the height of the mystery. So I don't really like murder mysteries because they, they're not usually done uh, relatively well. Like, the shock has to be huge. Um, so I, I just didn't really get into it. It looks like it's going to be fun, so I'll just approach it as a popcorn flick. Um, but it just really didn't do much for me. Um, cause I, maybe it was because I was thinking it was an action film. Um, but, Nick, I'm going to start with you. Excuse me. What were your thoughts on the first trailer for Knives Out directed by Ryan Johnson? It uh, looks really good. I mean, it looks funny. Um it certainly uh, seems to have all the makings of a good who done it, but I'm kind of with you on that. Um, just as like uh, I have not seen Murder on the Orient Express, um, but uh, I, I do like some like older who done it. Um, Clue, uh, is, it, is it Clue? Is that is that what it is? It's not Clue. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it is Clue. That's yeah, the one with Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah, that one's good. 
um, the uh, um, shit. What's it called? Uh, Dial in for murder is a is a classic that I I do thoroughly enjoy. But I agree with you. They are kind of hit or miss. Um, but the talent looks good. Um, I like Ryan Johnson a lot. Um, I still stand for The Last Jedi. Um, and I, I really enjoyed Looper. Um, so, I mean, I think he's a talented writer. Um, but it, it's a it's a genre that uh, there's only so many different ways that you can kind of take. So, you know, with that in mind, you, you really have to deliver um, all the necessary wits, uh, comedic timing, those kinds of things. Um, and also deliver like a, a, a pretty like shocking conclusion. Um, so, I mean, if you can hit, hit the nail on the head with those two things, I think it will be successful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love the cast. Uh, I, first of all, um, I, I, Daniel Craig is just like, so talented. Um, I don't know if y'all all saw, um, uh, Logan Lucky, um, but he was fantastic in that, and he kind of has um, a variation on that that same sort of um, southern accent. Um, this one being like a more uh, Savannah, old South, sophisticated type accent. Uh, the other one being more like you know white trashy. Um, but uh, but he he does really well, you know, with you know various different accents and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm definitely interested, you know, for him alone. Uh, but then Chris Evans just looks hilarious uh, in this. It's kind of like seemingly like the black sheep of the family um, is kind of the way it comes off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to it, that cast. Um, if if I hear really good things about it, I might even go see it in theaters. But I'll definitely watch it one way or, the, or another, like, at some point in time. Yeah, not, my biggest thing is just, <clears throat> uh, like me and you both just said, like if if I get to the end of the movie and the mystery is is well worth it, to me I'm I'm fine with it. But I kind of feel like there's been more bad mystery uh, mystery films than there have been good. Um, so it kind of it's just because it, to me the whole movie could be good, but if I get close to the ending and I'm kind of like, I think blah 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 did it, and then that turns out they did. It's kind of like. At some point in this movie, it started to become obvious to me, and that's what I kind right. of feel like some of these murder mysteries are. I want it to be something that I'm like, oh, whoa, what? I didn't see that coming. Um, like yeah. just from the trailer, I kind of already suspect the girl. <laughs> just from the trailer, I suspect the girl. Which girl? Um, the the girl, the younger one. I, I can't remember oh, her okay. um her name. Um, I know who you're talking about. They, they never showed her talking. Um, and then, but they showed her a lot. So that going in, she's going to be the first person I assume, but knowing my luck, she'll die in like the first five minutes. And then, you know, uh, <laughs> Ryan Johnson got me, but, um, but yeah, so to me, if, if the mystery itself is well worth it, I'm completely fine with it. Even if maybe some of the movie isn't all that great. If you shock me, um, to me, that that does it. Uh, it wasn't a murder mystery, but one of the biggest shocks that I remember in movies was Drag Me to Hell, um, where it kind of felt like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase so I don't ruin it for anyone who might not have seen it. But um, the big shock at the end, it was like, oh, didn't really see that coming. That's dope. Like, that was really awesome. Um, but if I kind of feel like at any point I kind of saw that coming, it was a waste. So I, I might be like you, Nick. I might wait to see what someone says. 
um, that I trust. And if they're like, no, the you know the shock is, is is big, then I'll go see it. But if not, HBO I assume will buy the rights to it, um, and I'll watch it there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, Tia, what were your thoughts on the first trailer for Knives Out? Um, well, I have to agree with you, Joan, that I thought it was going to be an action movie just based on the name and the fact that you got Daniel Craig and Chris Evans in it. I thought that that would be really cool to have, like, this action flick with them in it, but that's not the direction they decided to go, which is fine. It really seems like a remake of Clue just with a different name. I mean, they've done this plenty of times in Hollywood, so... Um, I'm not the biggest fan of murder mystery movies, so that kind of dissuade me from being actually interested in it. I will say that the thing that seemed the most interesting was Chris Evans' part in the movie because I love when they give Chris Evans the ability to play characters like that. I think everyone's just a little too used to him playing Captain America and that very uh, stern serious uh, type of character, but he can play these fun, sarcastic, uh, very much the quote-unquote jackass um, of a movie, which is why we love him, and I think that that alone looks like a lot of fun. I don't think I'll go to the theater to go see this movie, but I'll definitely watch it when it comes to, you know, whatever streaming service is going to pick it up. Yeah, I just, I, my biggest, <clears throat> excuse me, my biggest fear is, um, and again, this this is nothing to do with, with Ryan Johnson. I'm just talking the formula of, of Hollywood. I, it kind of just feels like a great cast, but the movie might not deliver. Um, and, and we've seen this numerous times. So, again, this is not me giving any shades to Ryan Johnson because I obviously haven't seen the movie, but I just don't want it to be, oh, we got some of the best actors out there, but doesn't really live up to the fact that we got some of the best actors out there. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's just my biggest thing. But who knows? Maybe it's great. The, the, the shock is great, and then we all end up loving it. Um, I hope that's the case, because Ryan Johnson has done a lot more good as a director than he has bad. I'm talking to you Star Wars fans out there. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to support him. I want to support him, um, and I want this to be good. So hopefully it is. Um, but all right, let's move on to our second trailer that we got today. And that was the, I don't want to say teaser, because I kind of feel like a teaser should be uh, anything less than a minute. And this is maybe about a minute in some change. Um, but our first trailer to Mulan. Um, Tia, I'm actually going to start with you. Um, what were your thoughts coming out of this first official trailer for uh, Mulan, especially after all the outrage of them saying <laughs> no Mushu? whatever his name is, no original song, and then we're going to give you your trailer after all that bad news. <laughs> what were your thoughts? <laughs> well, I think we talked last weekend on our Geek Vibes Live about the fact that there was going to be no motion, and there was going to be no songs, which I was greatly upset over being such a huge fan of the original animated movie. So it is funny that they dropped the trailer. It almost seems like they saw how mad everyone was, and then they were like, oh, just throw something out there so at least we can generate some sort of positive buzz about this film. Um, so going into it, I will say that, and I think we talked about this during the pre-show, that the visuals look amazing. Uh, the costuming, the sets, that all looks really good. It's 
feels definitely familiar. We got the setup, obviously, of where the movie is going to go, which you could say, yes, you would know that based on watching the original movie, but they definitely put that in the trailer. Um, I don't know the actress's name, but she looks good in it. She looks great in that warrior armor, and I like that you did notice a few iconic scenes in the trailer from the original movie. I will say that it, it, it has some aspects of Mulan in it, but then it does seem like it's just going to be, say, a martial arts movie and not necessarily a Mulan movie. And I just really would have loved to see on screen I'll Make a Man Out of You in live action. I think it would have been really awesome. And I'm just really going to stay a little salty about that. But as far as the trailer goes, I mean, it looks good. It looks definitely like they're going in a more serious tone. They're not trying to do what they did with Aladdin's live action or even do what they're doing with Lion King's adaptation. It just looks completely, they're just taking the concept of the movie and making a new film out of it. So we'll have to see once maybe they release another trailer. I'll say that I'm in the middle on this. Yeah, no, I, I completely <clears throat> see where you're coming from. But before I go into my response, because I could probably wind myself here, I'm going to go to you first, Nick. Let you give yeah. your thoughts on the uh, first trailer for Mulan. See, like, it definitely felt like a teaser to me. I get that it was a little longer, but it just, like, it it, it was just a lot of different shots, you know. Um, you, you obviously had the, um, the the conversation at the beginning of the trailer, um with you know her family, you know, telling essentially telling her that they found a suitor for her, and it's what what's best for their family, and she needs to you know honor her family and that kind of thing. Um, and you got the you know little backdrop of her saying, "I will, um, like it, it it is in me to fight or whatever she said, like something like that, um, and I will honor my family that way or something." Um, but it definitely felt like a teaser. Um, but I like. I probably just because I love martial arts films like insanely, um, like uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is fucking phenomenal, uh, and it kind of has that feel. Like it even has like some of the shots of like um, like her jumping over all of those dudes and uh, on the battlefield um, and all that kind of stuff. Like it definitely has that kind of feel to it. Um, so I actually really liked it. I'm super excited for it. Um, but a, probably a big part of that also has to do with um, Mulan was like a little after my time um, as far as like um, like my era of, of Disney movies. Um, like I was, you know, I was more of the late 80s, early 90s, and that was more like late 90s, I think 97, something like that. Um, but, uh, but regardless of my point being that, um, you know, not having such a sentimental attachment kind of lets me, um, see it, I guess, differently than Tia as far as not feeling like, damn, I can't believe they're not, you know, including that or, or they're, you know, they're not making like all the songs that I loved as a kid that aren't making it in there, um, so it probably makes it just a little easier for me to be like, well, damn, this looks like badass martial arts, so 
Um, which is which I agree with Dia. That's exactly what it looks like. You know, like it looks like they took the story of Mulan and are turning it into a live action martial arts movie, um, as opposed to um, you know actually adapting Mulan um, from animation to you know live action. But I, you know, as far as me personally, I thought the trailer was pretty dope, and I'm excited for it. Well, so the thing is, like, you take away the songs, right, which at this point, seeing the tone of the teaser, I would say makes sense, but the Mm -hmm. point is the story. Like, it's fine if it has aspects of a martial arts movie, but the underlying story is she goes sees the matchmaker, and she absolutely fumbles it. You know, the matchmaker tells her that she will never find anyone and she will never bring honor to her family. I mean, that is a huge point of the movie. It's a huge point of Mulan feeling like she's out of place because she's not following the typical path that girls do. So that's extremely important. And the most important is her deciding to fight because her father is ill and would certainly die in this battle against some you know, against the enemy and her just fighting along and proving her worth even after she finds that, even after her comrades find out that she is a girl, which at that point should have been a death sentence because in the movie that should have been the law is what they even make it very apparent that she should be, you know, dishonored and killed for that. Um, But her regardless going in to save them. So I need that story to be absolutely 100% preserved. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, I look at it like this, um, and, and I get, <clears throat> Nick, you saying you don't feel the, um, you know, you don't feel as close to the movie because it was kind of outside of the time where you were really watching it. But remember how you said how important it was to keep some of the uh, the songs uh, for Aladdin, like how that was important. Like oh yeah. You can't just not have it. That is oh, how yeah, people totally. feel about um uh, feel about Mulan. Oh yeah, and, so I, you, and I totally get ahead, that. Like I I I I was just saying I totally get that. Like just like because I I if if you know they didn't have you know the you know three or four like really big songs um you know I in from Aladdin in Aladdin like I'd be like what the what the fuck are you doing um. So like I totally get it. It's just for me personally, I I like there are some movies that I have that kind of attachment to. Just hold on, it's just not one of them for me. Yeah, no, no, no. I I completely get you. I just to me, I kind of feel like if you're doing a movie that's based off of something, I should still feel like it's that person, um, or it's still that same thing. It does not have to be word for word, song for song, exactly like the animated movie. Um, or I just go watch the animated movie. I'm not paying fifteen dollars to just go watch the animated movie. Be different. <laughs> you, you guys know I'm I'm always an advocate of of writers being able to be creative. Be different. Just don't strip it. And I kind of feel like if there's no songs, and then there's no Mushu, and then from what I just saw, that feels like it's just a martial arts movie. Which in in essence, Mulan does uh, does later become uh, towards the latter half of, of the movie, um, but a large portion of that movie feels like a Disney movie, and I kind of didn't feel like this was a Disney movie. Like uh, I was telling Tia Nick before the uh, before the show, they they 100% changed Jasmine. Um, 
for the movie, to fit today's time, to, to fit their direction, I was 100% okay with. Uh, that was a liberty that, that's just fine. It, it's okay. So if you're telling me you want to make Mulan tougher or you want to make uh, it more that she's more, you know, more advanced as a fighter, stuff like that, by all means, get creative. Just don't strip it of its essence. And its essence is it's a Disney movie. Um, Jungle Book felt very real, but it still felt like um, exactly what it gave us when you would watch the animated movie. It just was a lot. It was just more adult. Um, so to me, as long as the essence of Mulan is there, I can get past it, but this just didn't feel like a Mulan trailer. Um, like if I had never seen the animated movie, I couldn't tell you that this was stemming from a Disney film. Um, and that's kind of what bothers me the most. But who knows, maybe, you know, they were lying. Maybe they do have the original songs. Um, and, and maybe it's still a good movie. But I, I know I'm going to go into this movie um, expecting it to be a martial arts film and then probably only appreciating the idea that of uh, it was just really good martial arts. Um, and that's going to be very unfortunate for a Mulan movie. Um, but all right, uh, does anyone have anything else they want to add about Mulan before we move on? No, I'm good. Nick? No, I'm good, man. All right, let's move on. All right, so let's get into our main topics. we got a few uh, big news topics to come out. First, we're going to start with, uh, in a flash movie shocker, it filmmaker Andy uh, Muschietti, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, probably horribly wrong, um, is in <laughs> talks to direct. Say it again. I was just laughing at you. You you, uh, you always yeah. assume that you're getting the names wrong. I always do, just in case I am. So everyone's like, oh, well, he knew he was going to get it wrong, rather than me saying it with confidence, <laughs> and I'm, I sound like an idiot. Um, Andy Muschietti is in talks to direct as John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein move on. Ezra Miller still attached with Warner Brothers to go in new direction with new writer Christina uh, Hodgson. Um, this is coming from The Hollywood Reporter. So this isn't just us with a scoop or anything. This is from a legit news outlet. Now, this information is interesting. One, because I think they're full of crap. And two, <laughs> because I think this isn't 100% accurate. And what I mean by that is the only reason John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein seemingly, I don't want to say this definitively, but seemingly, are out is because Ezra would not commit to their script. And Warner Brothers, because Ezra is very important to their other franchise in um, uh, the Harry Potter world, uh, seemingly went with the actor over the directors. Now, I have no issue with that. We've seen it in sports. They go on with an athlete over a coach, even though the coach is good. Um, my issue is if Ezra's point was he wanted it to be darker, you bringing in Andy kind of kind of means that that's what they're going to go with. They're going to go with Darker because we know Andy's coming from it. When it says they're going in a new direction with the writer, my question is, what was the current direction? Because if the current direction was for you to go more Shazam and less BVS, um, I would say Ezra has to understand there is a such thing as in the middle. And what I mean by that is, if you watch any of the CW shows, uh, seemingly The Flash specifically, um, it is very dark when it needs to be, but it also is very lighthearted um, because that is Barry in, in a sense. Barry is very lighthearted. He comes from a dark world, but what makes him and Spider-Man so special is out of all the deaths that they experience, they are always the light. 
Um, so what I don't want to see is an edgier flash, is a darker flash, is for it to be anywhere near as dark as TSS, BVS was. Um, so to me, it's like you can find a way to, to meet in the middle. And I would be curious to see if John Francis Daly uh, and Jonathan Goldstein, if they were just unwilling to meet Ezra in the middle. Um, but I can talk about this forever because I just see too many things that, that bother me that I'm pretty sure uh, I'm over-exaggerating about. But, Nick, I'm going to start with you. Um, what are your thoughts on the two directors being out, and what are your thoughts on the possible director to replace him? And I do want to ask you, what direction would you like to see a Flash franchise go in? Darker, um, seemingly like what Ezra would prefer, or would you like to see them go just split in the middle? You could have a dark story with a lighter a lighter approach to it. Well, I'll start with that. I, I'm not necessarily sure that that's not what Ezra wants. Like, just because he says that he wants something darker, maybe that's what he means. Like, it wouldn't – I don't think it would necessarily make sense for his character to be dark and, like, brooding and whatever. Um, but I think probably what he wants is, like, um, you know, something uh, something where the uh, the – uh, script and the storyline it's like really heavy shit that he's dealing with um and not just have it be like a um um i don't know like a, a, a sort of typical um fair as far as you know more shazam like if you will um would that would be my guess i mean i have no nothing to back that up it's just pure speculation um but as far as like what i would prefer i would definitely prefer it to be like not dark um, like, uh, I, like, I don't necessarily, like, I wouldn't necessarily want, um, the, like, the first solo Flash movie to be, like, um, you know, j- like, just, like, depressing, you know, uh, like, have just, like, shit just keeps happening to Barry, and it's just like, oh, this is like, god dang, man, this is like, this is terrible, like, I, I, I wanted to watch The Flash, not Requiem for a Damn Dream, um, but, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, I, I, like you said, there, there's, there's a balance there that, that, you know, maybe they can achieve. Um, and if they, if they find the right balance, I think it'll be fine. Um, but what? I, I had a question for you. What is this the fourth different uh, director to walk away from this project, or it, I guess it, directors? It, it, it's the fourth if you count the, if you count them separately. So if John Goldstein. Right. Uh, so if you count them separately, yes, it, it would be the fourth. And again, Andy has not officially been brought in as the Flash director. Right. He is only up for uh, for discussion. So if he turns it down, you could look at that as another director to to leave. Because I think what a lot of people forget is Rick Fumiawa uh, was supposed to direct this movie years ago. Um, right. So the idea that he left and his idea for it was was, was I thought game changing. Um, so the fact that he left and then we've come so far and we still don't have a definitive director, it's just not good. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Essentially about four. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, that's just that's terrible, man. Like you know, I I can understand like you know you have maybe some creative differences here or there and. Um, so maybe maybe one, maybe even two, but like to have four 
like directors just walk away from this project and, and just because they can't get any traction with it. Um, like that's, that's a very bad sign, you know, like it, it, when, you know, uh, Edgar Wright stepped away from Ant-Man, like they were just like, all right, let's get Peyton Reed. We're good. And, you know, I mean, it, it worked out for him. Um, like that's, that's kind of what you should be doing. I think it more so just kind of speaks to where DC's at right now that they don't have a Kevin Feige to like sort of be that guy, even if you're not tying things together continuity wise, um, be that guy who's at the top, um, who kind of has a vision for all of these different projects. Um, and so you, you go out and you, um, get actors who like that vision. You get directors who like that vision. Um, and then, of course, you give them the freedom to, you know, write a story that, that you know, at least fits in that in that world. Um, but you know, it's it's just they don't they don't have that, and it, it's it's come back to bite them in the ass more times than we can even fucking count. Um, and this just kind of seems to be another one of those situations, and it just it kind of sucks. It, like it's unfortunate because a I love Ezra Miller, even if he's not like the you know what you would picture as like your your typical Barry Allen. Um, I just love Ezra Miller, so it doesn't really bother me that much. Um, and I really enjoyed him uh, in um, Justice League. He was one of probably one of my favorite parts of the movie um, was like him and, and him and Cyborg, which is why like I just always kind of wanted like a almost like a buddy cop thing with. Cyborg, you know, with um, him, you know, Ezra Miller's Flash kind of being like the the goofy one, and you know, uh, Ray Fisher being like the more serious uh, of the two, and let those two play off of each other. I think it would be that would be awesome, um, but it doesn't seem like we're going to get anything like that, um, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, they just they they just got to figure this out, man. Like the. <laughs> Uh, just having it in limbo for as long as they have, and just to continue to have it in limbo, like it's, it's not, you're just, you're just, you're basically just burning money because you're like, if you could, like, even if the movie's not good, if you had already gotten it out and everything, you're still going to make money off of it. So like, I don't know why. um, And obviously you'd want it to be good. um, But like just sitting on a project for four years, like just having it just be in development hell that that is certainly not good for Warner Brothers um and and just kind of more over uh DC I will say the one advantage that Warner Brothers has that I'm pretty sure they're they're leaning on is that you're in a time where these movies are grossing over billions of dollars so you're mm-hmm. always going to have someone that's interested in taking um that's taking the helm of, of one of these franchises, even if it seems very dysfunctional. Um, because it, it's just, you get a chance to direct uh, a big movie and your name's attached to something that could possibly be a huge uh, box office hit. So you're always going to have someone that would jump at it. Um, I am more curious to, and I will say your, your idea of Cyborg and Flash, that was an original concept they originally had for one of the scripts of the Splash movie. I can't remember what director, um, but it was a few years ago one of the ideas that they had had, um, but obviously we're drastically away from that now. Um, 
but yeah, it, it's just one of those things where it's kind of just like the reason why I said um, what I was saying about Ezra and Nick when you were saying that it doesn't necessarily mean that that's that he doesn't want it to kind of be half and half. The reason why I say I think that it's either BS from him or it's BS from Warner Brothers or wherever this this source came from is because if Ezra was willing to go half and half, I really find it hard to believe that the directors were the ones that were refusing, um, you know, to kind of lean one way or the other. So I kind of feel like the directors were like, here's a script, it's light, it's lighter tone, this is what we want to go with. And I kind of feel like Warner Brothers is like, well, we talked with Ezra. Ezra kind of wants to go a little darker than that. Um, I find it hard to believe that those directors were like, no, we no, no, we, we refuse to, to do anything different. So I kind of feel like they wanted super light. He wanted, I won't say drastically, but something very different than what their script was. And Ezra was refusing to bite. Um, and that then is why they were like, you know what? You guys take it. Find someone else to do it. Um, that's why I think that. Uh, again, I have no sources, nothing. This is just me assuming. Um, I know BS when I when I hear it. Uh, I just got it from my Nick, so <laughs> my BS meter is on high alert. Um, so I just something just doesn't sound right here. Um, but again, I'm paranoid, old Juwan, so I could be just pulling this from 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 thin air. Um, Patia, what are your thoughts on the director change? for The Flash, um, and where would you, I already know how you feel about Ezra, where would you like to see a Flash, uh, a Flash movie go? Like, what direction would you like to see it go in? Well, first I have to say you guys can no longer blame me because uh, supposedly Ezra Miller is still around, so I don't want to hear this whole, I got him kicked out or anything like that. So well, hold on, to... hold on, you're still on the hook. <laughs> Because until this movie starts filming, Tia, that is still a very big possibility he won't. So we're going to wait till it starts filming. Then we can go, all right, you know, the, the Tia magic did not work for Ezra Miller. Like, it just so perfectly worked for Ben. Yeah, Tia's out here with, like, burner accounts and shit, talking shit about Ezra Miller. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Well, it was funny as Nick was like, oh, The Flash was one of my favorite parts of the Justice League, and he was definitely uh, one of my least favorite parts in the Justice League, but that's neither here nor there. Um, When I first heard that they were going to bring in the uh, director from It and It Chapter 2, that was certainly a little shocking that they would do that for the direction of a Flash movie. But considering the success that they had with James Wan and Aquaman, they probably think that they're going to somehow uh, relive that uh, that magic with this. And they think that, or maybe, you know, Andy just has some really great ideas for a Flash movie and they really liked it. And they decided, you know what, again, because James Wan did so well with Aquaman, this will be a success as well. As far as the direction that I'd like a Flash movie to go with, I... Do you agree with you, Juwan, that it should kind of be like the CW Flash? You can have Barry Allen be more lighthearted. I certainly don't think he needs to be as goofy or as just all over the place as he was in Justice League. But you can have a more lighthearted Barry. And then, obviously, the people that he is up against 
are the darker aspects of the film. And we can, I guess, revisit in the movie. You know, he obviously has a darker past with his mother having been killed, his father's in prison. So you can have these, like, dark elements that still have a Barry Allen that is very much lighthearted and still maybe sees the good in the world despite everything that he's been through. But I would like them to definitely rework the way that they've had his character be in Justice League because they certainly didn't think it worked at all. And that's personally how, if you guys are saying that Ezra Miller is that good of an actor, then I will trust what you say and I will trust that they can make him better because we saw uh, Ryan Reynolds do it. He did two different versions of Deadpool. If we completely judged him on what we saw in uh, Wolverine Origins, then that should have said that Ryan Reynolds didn't know how to be Deadpool. And then now, obviously, we can't imagine anyone else other than him being Deadpool. So maybe it was just the fact that the script, the director, everything was what was wrong with Ezra Miller's Barry Allen, and a new director and a new script can make that better. Yeah, well, I, I will say, one, I would argue with anyone who didn't feel like Ryan Reynolds was Deadpool in Wolverine Origins, because before the experiment, like before they, uh, you know, glued his mouth shut or whatever the hell that was, uh, <laughs> he was an amazing way, uh, he was an amazing Deadpool. Like, he played Deadpool before he got the whole transformation. The wisecracking and all that, he was spot on. It was just he didn't have the mask on, the suit. Um, so that, in that sense, he wasn't Deadpool. But I, I thought from that, I thought from Blade Trinity, Ryan Reynolds was born to be Deadpool. Um, so it did not shock me when it was like, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is going to be actually Deadpool in the first movie. was was classic. Um, but as far as uh, the, the whole Ezra thing, to me, I will say the Flash story is one you can make dark. I just don't need it to be. Um, you know, because to me it kind of just feels like this world that DC's trying to build, I think what they sometimes need to remember is Batman is literally the only story that has to be dark. Like there is no lightheartedness from a Batman story. There, there never is. There never will be. Um, I don't count that Adam West. That, that, that's not my Batman. Um, so to me, the flash has always been lighthearted. He's had story arcs to where, you know, the story arcs are a little bit darker, but the flash is always supposed to be, um, a guiding light to the team, the same way Spider-Man is supposed to be. So no, I don't need to see flash getting uber dark. Um, but I mean, it all depends because if you're telling me his first movie is about his, um, his robes, like the robes. That's not a storyline I need you to be dark in. But if you're telling me you're going right off the bat with Reverse Flash, Andy is the kind of guy that could make that very dark, very menacing, um, and, and do a really good job with it. But I, I just don't know if I need that or if I even want it. Um, so if you could find a way to kind of meet me in the middle to where it, it's humorous, but there's aspects of it um, that kind of feel a little bit darker than, than we're used to seeing with the Flash, I could live with it. Um, but just I would say... Yeah, go ahead. I would say you don't need to make a dark, brooding Barry Allen, but you can certainly have him more mature if that's maybe the direction you want to go in. It'll be interesting because um, I am curious to see how how different they want Ezra to be, uh, whether that's the studio or the director, um, because we saw what Zach did with Barry. 
and that was definitely I agree with people. It was more Wally than we're used to. Um, mm-hmm. Than we're used to when it comes to Barry. So, are you going to have Barry go through a change of of, of character? Um, because I, at this point, I, I don't think honestly I wouldn't care. You're DC. You've obviously shown me you didn't know what you were doing. You're trying to fix it. So, making him more Barry-like is um, is how you go about fixing it. I can ignore Justice League. I mean, we technically have to. <laughs> Our Batman is now 20. <laughs> I mean, uh, 30. So I, we have to erase. I guess what Justice League was. I've, heard, um, I've erased Justice League since it came out, though. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Which is fine. Essentially, I believe that's what they eventually will will start to do. Um, so I mean, yeah, if you want to change Barry for the better, by all means, go ahead. Um, but all right, did you guys have anything else you wanted to add about this flash situation, Nick? Nah, I'm good, man. See No. Oh, okay. All right, let's move on to something that caused more controversy than anything Warner Brothers could cook up, and that's Disney's <laughs> live-action Little Mermaid casting. Uh, I think her name is pronounced Holly Bailey, I believe, which confused a lot of people because they thought it was Holly Berry. And then I'm like, why would you think that? <laughs> why, why would you think that it's cast Holly Berry as Ariel? Um, Holly. But Holly Berry, I'm sorry. Um, but apparently, Come on, Nick. What I'll allow you to say it when I pass it to you. I'm just going to continue <laughs> to get it wrong. Um, but, yeah, this casting to me is fine. Um, I, I, again, don't know why uh, race change with characters is as big of a deal as, um, as it is, but apparently it's only one-sided uh, because we did not get any <laughs> – we did not get any, we did not get any outcry for the fact that a movie called The Last Samurai had a white guy as its savior. We did not get any fall cry of the fact that a movie about Egypt and pharaohs had only one black dude in it. So it just seems to be convenient to when we do get it. Um, but this, to me, one, I'll say this, I don't recall The Little Mermaid. So if The Little Mermaid told me it wasn't going to have any original songs, I think I'd feel about that movie, Nick. The same way you feel about Mulan. Um, oh hell so no, nah, bro! You gotta have Under the Sea. Like, come <laughs> <laughs> that's when that's when Nick's gloves come out. He's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. No songs of Little Mermaid. No, no. Now we have a problem. <laughs> See, that's right in my wheelhouse, um, man. That one's like '92, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I, to me, the casting is fine. Uh, to me, if anyone knows of her work, she's a really good singer. Um, and to me, that is equally as important as acting um, because you're, the whole movie is pretty much singing. So I need someone who could, like, the acting is small. Like, if you're doing a very little bit of acting. Can you sing? Can you sing really good? She can sing really good. Um, so I was fine with the casting. I have no issues with it whatsoever. Um, if you decide to make her hair red, I could care less. If you decide to make it braided, I could care less. Um, but Nick, I'll start with you since this is in your wheelhouse. Uh, your thoughts on the casting of Ariel? Uh, I'm not. Ultimately, I'm not like terribly familiar with um, Hallie uh, Bailey. Bailey. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, like, as far as the the fucking stupid outrage, I will say this. Uh, just to, as a counterpoint to um, what you were saying earlier. I, I do feel like there is some, like it, there is some on both sides, um, but like, 
at, at least now, like, I, I don't feel like, like, I feel like if, if they released The Last Samurai now, there would be people who are like, oh, we need the white guy to save us. Um, so, like, I do feel like it's on both sides, kind of. But, like, here's my thing. Like, the, the side of people that get upset when they say, um, like, for, like, The Last Samurai type of thing, or even, like, let's just say, like, they, they um, have, have, like, a, a, a bunch of white characters uh, or a bunch of white actors um, portraying, like, people in Egypt. That's a really good example. Um, that, like, it, it's like, come on, dude. Like, there's so many fucking actors out there. You can find people, like, who would make more sense. Like, don't tell me that, like, oh, well, you know, we just got the best names of it. Like, don't, don't feed me that bullshit. Um, so, like, I, I feel like, you know, the, in that case, it, it's basically like um, – we want people's stories to have adequate rep- representation, um, uh, you know, and and we want actors to to represent um, these these various uh, stories. You don't have to just pick white people. Um, but uh, the other side is, is, and I guess this is just my political leaning. But the other side is just stupid. Like especially with a character like Ariel, who is like a mermaid. So, like she's. She's not like her. The color of her skin is, is has nothing to do with uh, like anything uh, as far as um, you know. It, it, it's not. It's not you know stupid ass people saying, well, you know what? W- w- would you want to have a white Mulan? It's like, well, no, because Mulan is Chinese. Like Ariel is not a fucking like. Uh, Whatever, like she, she has no nationality. She is a mermaid. You can do anything that you want with that character. So, like, I, I think that's just that's just lame. Um, and I was even telling a, a friend of mine yesterday, I was like, you know what's gonna happen is like there will be like people like coming out who are like, well, like come on now, it wouldn't make sense that like you know uh, for a mermaid to have dark skin because she lives under the sea. So really, like you know they would. There wouldn't be enough sunlight, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, as, as a point of, like, veiled racism, like, I'm not racist, but, like, if we're being logical here, uh, like, and she was like, oh, no, it's I've already seen it. It's already out there. I'm like, fuck, I knew it. I fucking knew people were going to go there. Um, and it's just stupid. It, it really is. It, it, I don't understand why people get upset about things like that. But I digress. Um, you know, as far as her uh, her – singing ability issues like apparently like i've heard from you just now and other people that she is a really good singer um and that is absolutely um one of the most important if not the most important um things that you would kind of have to nail with this role um i mean we i i I heard various complaints about um um i forget her name who played um uh bell i think in, in beauty and the beast and said she just wasn't like she wasn't a bad singer, but she just she wasn't a great singer, um, and it just kind of was like not like as good as it could have been. Um, so you know, I think I think in in like with these kind of movies, they have to really hit that angle and they have to really nail that. Um, and so if they did that, uh, I, I'm totally cool with it, um, and it, it'll be cool. Hopefully, this is like. You know, kind of her her breakout role, 
um, and, and kind of sets the tempo for uh, you know for her career to go on and, and do a lot of other cool projects. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a conversation with someone uh, yesterday, and I told them the reason why this is important. Like, this might seem stupid. Like, oh, why do you have to? It's representation is important, and it's important to the youth. Yes, it's important to see like, oh, wow, Ariel looks just like I do. Like, that's dope. Mm-hmm. I have someone I could look at and go, I could be like that. It's very important. That's why I said right. Black Panther historically is, is important because you look at Spawn and you look at Blade and they play into I get that they're comic book characters, so let me not feed too logically into it, but they do feed into um, what could be perceived as the stereotype of the black guy being super dangerous, the black guy out there killing. You wanted someone who just fit a hero. It was just your standard hero, um, and that's what T'Challa was. So that historically was was important because it just it showed it showed young black black boys and black girls like no 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 you could be something better something different something more uplifting. Um, mm-hmm. So to me it's important. And I, I was telling my aunt yesterday what bothers me the most about Disney princesses is. If you ask someone about a black Disney princess, a lot of people would forget the fact that Princess Tiana exists. Like, it was from a movie I thought was really horrible to introduce your first black princess, but it was Princess and the Frog. Like, we do have a black Disney princess. No one really remembers that. (laughs) Why? Because it's not really shown often, not really talked about often. You didn't do a live-action movie about it. So if you're telling me you're going in and you're making someone that is memorable, someone that is in a lot of people's minds, um, and you're changing the race. I am all for that. Representation is very important. Um, right, and they the picked the perfect character for it. Like right. with a, right. a character that has no uh, discernible reason to be white. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Like so, right. like that. That is the biggest thing to me. Like you know, it, it, it obviously like sometimes it, you know you you it doesn't make sense to do it. Um, but this is one of those cases where it absolutely makes sense to do it, and, and I'm glad you brought up, um, you know, the 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 point of um, representation being important because I think I think that's another thing that like I don't want to generalize here, but I, I, I'm going to. Um, I think that's something that like a lot of white people just don't realize. Like it's not even malicious; they just don't realize that right. it's, it's, that that that's important, you know. Well, I, and, and I, the person I spoke to from Twitter, what I tried to explain to him was representation to, to white people doesn't necessarily seem like a big deal only because it, it, it's everywhere. It's literally right. everywhere. The comic book characters, yeah. uh, video games, it's just everywhere. Like everything big just happens to be white. So you look at it and you kind of just go, well, what's the big deal? Well, for us, it's, we look at it and we don't see us. Um, and that's not just black. That's that's Asian. That's that's Indian. That's Hispanic. We just want more representation. That's why I now understand when Joelle was like Juwan, I need Miles to be half black, half Hispanic, not full black. Like I get it right. because he's saying we don't have any representation, man. Like so, don't take the little bit away from me that I could possibly get. So right. I, I mean, to me, it's just it's it's very important uh, and. Another thing that people don't also understand is when you're casting characters like this, it's not it's not closed minded. Like you don't just say, "Hey, I want a 16 year old white girl that's five, you know, five six or, or what." Like, no, you just you ask for the requirements, and race sometimes 
isn't even in the qualifications. You just want someone you right. think is the best. Um, so they right. very well could have gone through white actors, black actors, Spanish actors, and they got to this girl, and she just blew them away. And like I said, her singing is great. It would have blown me away. Um, so to me, I, I just need everyone to kind of step back. And for everyone, like you said, Nick, that's like, well, I'm not racist just because I want things to be uh, like they are. It's like, well, your closed-mindedness of it having to be like that when historically it's telling you she's a mermaid, which mermaids aren't real. That'd be like if someone was like, right. Rudolph, Rudolph's being voiced by a black guy. Like, come on now. Like, what about Rudolph right. told you he had to be like, come on. So to me, it's just like, take a step back. Take a step back and just realize representation is not as spread around as you might think it is, and that's why this is very important. Um, but I'm sorry. I've talked for too long. Tia, I'm going to go to you. Your thoughts on the new casting of Ariel? So I do want to preface this by saying I was the dumbass. I thought at first it was Halle Berry, and I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> She's I was like, she's too, I mean, listen, Halle Berry is still one of the most beautiful women on the face of the earth, but she's too old. You know, Little Mermaid's the story of a young girl, like, you know, coming to, it's a coming of age story, you know, in the sense of mermaids, you know? Um, but, <laughs> you know, as you said, I'm sure they had auditions and all these girls came and this girl, uh, Halle Bailey, uh, just, sung and they thought that it was beautiful and they were like well it's a musical we're obviously going to have the songs which considering how good of a singer she is I think that that's definitely a reassurement that they're going to have the songs in The Little Mermaid so I'm like what's the big deal you know I saw this one thing online where this girl was like literally I feel like having a panic attack so she's like you know, growing up, I identified with The Little Mermaid with Ariel because I'm redheaded and blah, blah, blah. And someone's like, this doesn't take away the original movie. Like, you can still feel identified with Ariel from the anime. It's just that this is a new movie for a new generation where little girls can see themselves on the big screen. Um, I don't see what necessarily the big deal is. And for all you know, they could give her red hair. So I don't see really what the big deal is here. Um, People seem very selective in what they feel outraged over because I don't remember there being this type of outrage when Zazie Beast was picked for the role of Domino in Deadpool. And it it made for some real – sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, it was was pretty bad. But, I mean, once you kind of got people to really understand – um, that one, it's a mutant, and two, there's nothing about Domino's character that specifies her race. They kind of just, like, and once you saw her, you were kind of just like, nah, she was good. Like, she was good. I don't, I don't care about it. And that's why I'm trying to get people to understand, like, if you watch it, it, like, again, if the character was supposed to be, like, if they made T'Challa white, like, all right, there's no way I'm seeing that movie. There's no way anyone should see that movie um, because it's just, it's, it's not right. But Ariel, it's just kind of like, this is what she decided to get upset about in today's climate with so much going on in the world. It's, it's right here. So, But, you know, people are going to hate about what they want to hate about. And to me, I kind of just think this isn't the time to be upset. Like, I would have understood when people got upset about um, them changing James Olsen in Supergirl only because that's not James Olsen. Like, he, 
they completely not only change his race, but his character. Um, so that, to me, I, I, I give more credence to than, than this. Well, I was just only saying this as a beef thing because it made for a great cosplay. You saw friends who would go to Comic-Con. You had one girl who was white, and she was the cosplaying as the Domino from the comics, and you had a girl who was black, and she was cosplaying as Domino from the movie. So you could have that where then all these girls feel comfortable with cosplaying and, you know, a character. And as we said earlier, you know, or you guys said earlier, you know, it's that being inclusive, being diverse, and making sure that people see themselves on screen because, and especially with young girls who already have body issues, self-esteem issues, and they're watching all of these Disney princess movies and not seeing themselves on TV, I mean, not on the big screen, and now you're going to have that generation of girls who are going to feel like, oh, that's me. And I think that's great. Like, it doesn't take away from, you could still watch the freaking original Disney movies. That's with any of the original Disney movies. But don't take that away from someone, you know? Yeah, like I said, representation is something that's very important in all aspects of life. Um, all right, someone's fired. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> representation is, uh, no, but like I said, representation is very important, and it is something that I want to become normal so then when castings like this happen, we're not all in uh, all at arms because it's, just, it's normalized. It's something that we just have gotten over um, and we right. see more of. So if you can continue to do this, Hollywood, please do. Just make it make sense and let it be organic. Let it be we're not doing right. it um, just to make her black. We're doing it because we fell in love with, with her when she auditioned, and she just so happened to be black. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I want to add one more thing. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Um, just I, – I, so uh, another thing that my, my friend who I was talking to yesterday um, told me that she had read, and I love this. Um, and it, it was funny because when she was telling me it, I, I wasn't I wasn't thinking it was going in this direction. Um, but she said uh, that she had read something somewhere uh, that um, a woman had said, um, you know, I was I was uh, like uh, uh, that grew up and being and she was ginger and she said being ginger like we didn't have like there wasn't a whole lot of representation for us so I like really loved to have like have see you know a disney princess with red hair i like i identified with it um and i'm really happy that a lot of young girls who are black are going to have that same experience and be able to identify with ariel now um in in this new way um and i was just like what a fucking great way to look at it like what a great way to like um to like see the positive of it and not be like Oh, all the like you know I to have the the visceral reaction of like well I identified with her growing up and now other girls won't be able to but but other girls will um, and I just so I really really love the fact that that was how this particular person looked at the situation. Yeah, I mean, and mainly because when Ariel came, when Little Mermaid rather came out, it was in a time where it seemed like Disney princesses either had brown hair, black hair. Or blonde, like it was just yeah. any other hair color, uh, was just something they never really thought about. Um, and then you go to Little Mermaid, and then I could be missing something in between. But then you get to Brave, 
um, and and then you get another uh, redhead. So to me, it's like the representation um, to just be spread around. But like I said, once it becomes normal, none of this will matter. We won't have to have conversations like this where we're telling idiots to stop just being idiots um, because it's just normal. It's normal because it's existed for so long. Um, so hopefully this is the first of many castings that we can get. It kind of shakes up Hollywood and kind of gives us more of a um, better look at all uh, shape, color, um, and, and kinds of people. Because we need to explore that. That's how we better get to know people is by experiencing and realizing that there's other people that have to be taken care of than just ourselves. So hopefully The Little Mermaid uh, not only is a good movie, but from the way I'm speaking, The Little Mermaid is going to ensue world peace. So hopefully it does that. Um, <laughs> but all right, let's move on to our final topic before we get into our review section of today's episode. Um, let's talk a little bit about Catwoman casting rules. Uh, so we got the names Vanessa Kirby and Anna de Almos. I don't know what Anna is from, but I do know Vanessa Kirby more recently plays the sister of Shaw in Hobbs and Shaw. Um, I, I, I like what I saw from her, uh, but I, again, these castings to me, if you're casting someone I haven't really seen, just do it. Like, I, I don't want, you know, to, to dig deep in, oh, can I, does, does she look like Catwoman? Can she do to me, just cast it and just do a really good job, and then I'm good. I mean, at this point, DC gives me the, the biggest headache. I kind of feel like for Marvel, when we hear a name, it's either that name is casted in five years just waiting to make it official, or that's a name that came out, but, you know, something happened that maybe it didn't work out, that they didn't accept the role. But we don't usually hear, like, oh, yeah, the role of Loki is up to, like, eight guys, and, you know, we're now trying to figure out who is it. No, we just usually don't hear that, and it's just it's so easygoing because I don't have to go through the stress of it. Just cast hmm. them on Warner Brothers and just let it be that. We'll have to live with it regardless. So just cast them on. But, Nick, I'm going to start with you. Uh, do you know either of these two actresses? And if not, do you have anyone in mind you would like to see play Catwoman and Matt Reeves the Batman? Um, no, not really, um, and I, I'm not ultimately familiar with, with their work, um, but here's the thing. Like when it comes to DC, the, you know, they obviously have a lot of flaws, but they're usually really good with casting. So, mm-hmm. um, so I mean I'm, I'm you know, basically just very optimistic that whoever they pick is going to be good, um, and, you know, and we'll, we'll see, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean I'm kind of with you as far as like – the like rigmarole of it all um it's just there's always like so many different rumors and it's just it's you know the the way that disney chooses to run their ship is just way tighter um and you know uh, just let less speculation it's you know and i may have said this before it's kind of like the difference between you know uh nba teams that you always hear the rumors about and, and then you know there's the teams that you don't really hear much about, and then they come out, and, and they're the, those are the teams that actually make, make a big trade or something like that. Um, it's not – it's oftentimes not the team uh, that, you know, is just is always swirling around. Um, and, like, for, for, you know, being a fan of the Hawks, they kind of run their ship that way. You don't usually hear a lot of shit, um, you know, about, oh, well, they're rumored to do this or rumored to do that. Like, you just figure out when it happens, and it's just – it's a uh, 
it's a lot less stressful. Yeah, I mean, at this point, because the thing about uh, casting lists and, and you releasing names, and I'm not saying Warner Brothers released these names, but the thing about these names coming out is, like, let's say you happen to be a huge fan of Vanessa Kirby, and then she doesn't get it. You've now built up the, your excitement for the idea of her getting it, only for her not to get it. So that's why I say I, the less information you give Juwan, the better it is, because I can't freak out. I can't lose my mind. I can't get upset about something. I just I don't have the information. So that's better for me. Um, but it's only when you give me options, you give me choices. Um, I, I'll stay away from the sports analogies because you know the analogy I would have made, uh, Nick. Um, but it's yeah. when you give me options that I then go, <laughs> how did you not do this? It was right there for you. Um so, to me, just cast it. And like you said, DC uh, and Warner Bros. have been great with their casting so far. That's why I'm not concerned, but I just don't want to know. Um, because, for example, I freaked out when the report came out saying, well, it was between now. Um, uh, God, I can't remember his name. I just got casted as Batman. But it was between him and uh, Nicholas Pattinson. Holt. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Thank you. I started to, to immediately freak out at the idea of Holt becoming my Batman. Because I got so used to the idea of Robert Pattinson. So that's why when they officially said Robert, I was like, all right, thank God this is over. I don't have to worry about this anymore. So just give us castings when they're official, Warner Brothers, and make official stay official. So that's an issue you have also. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, your thoughts on um, the two possible casting names uh, for Catwoman? Well, first I definitely wanted to comment on, I think that Warner Brothers – does these kind of like uh, who is this new character because they want to see what the public reaction is going to be because they've already had so much of a uh, negative reaction from fans throughout their movies that they just want to make sure that they get whoever is just really giving uh, just a really positive reaction. As far as these actresses, I don't really know either of them, so I can't say who... I would think would be a better Catwoman. Um, so honestly, that's all I really have to say on the subject. Yeah, no problem. I mean, like I said, to me, I think we'll all just be fine when, when you make castings and we just have to live with whatever it is. Um, to me, focus less on casting because you do a good job with that and focus more on giving us good stories because you do sometimes struggle with that. So let's just get a proper balance here, Warner Brothers. But all right, um, Tia, uh, me and Nick are going to move on to the, uh, I was going to say the revenge. Why why was I going to say revenge? (laughs) Review portion. I know you have not finished Stranger Things, um, so we do not want to spoil it for you. Um, So I know you'll you'll step away so you don't hear anything. Um, But, everyone, we are going to get into the review of Stranger Things Season 3. Nick, I know you finished it, which I'm super proud of you for. Because um, it just came out Friday, I believe, right? Or did it come out earlier than that? Uh, Thursday, I think. Thursday. I think it came out on oh, the 4th okay. of July. Oh, okay. So you had an extra day. Okay, okay. Because I'm thinking it just came out Friday, and I'm like, I know how busy you are. So the fact that you got it done uh, enough for today, that is awesome. Um, I think I just finished it last night. Um, so I am all caught up. I have seen the entire season. Nick, give me your initial thoughts on uh, season three of Stranger Things. Dude, it was fucking great. Like, it, it, they just 
you know, it's funny because, you know, we talked about um, a couple weeks ago about how, you know, it feels like they, they could probably just kind of end it, like three seasons probably enough. Um, but they, they do enough to keep it fresh, to keep it interesting. Um, they just kind of go back to that, that bag of, like, um, 80s tropes. But they don't they don't use them in a tropey way, you know. So, um, so obviously, for, for this season, you got elements of um, the thing, which um, I, I certainly thought of uh, just watching the trailer. Um, and then you also got um, elements of, uh, you know, like Red Dawn with, you know, the Soviets and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, it, uh, it, but yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was great. Um, I, I just, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. Um, I just, I fucking love Steve so much. Like he's my guy, uh, and I like the fact that they built off of his relationship with Dustin, um, and and kind of paired those two together for the majority of the season, because um, they just work so well together. Um, and I can't remember the character's name. Um, you maybe you can help me out with this one, Joanne. But the the girl who works with Steve at the ice cream shop, um, she was fucking awesome. Like, uh, like I was so impressed with her. I was so happy that they like didn't pair them together and instead kind of like had this sort of reveal that she's lesbian. Um, I think that's another like great example of you know, what we, I guess kind of be the theme of this the show today is like representation is important. And that was, I think something like really cool to have in the show instead of just having another romance. Um, I thought it was, it just worked out so much better that way. Um, and you know, so I, I thought that was, you know, a great character that they introduced. Um, Smirnoff, uh, pouring out for Smirnoff. Uh, he was awesome. <laughs> I, I really love that character. I mean, he's just so funny. Um, and, like, you know, the way that they kind of uh, played played up, you know, his character with Hopper and Winona Ryder and, you know, the um, – uh, I forget the other guy's name, but the the um, the bold dude, uh, the super smart guy, the conspiracy theorist dude um, – so yeah, I mean, I I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, you know, I just overall I thought it was really good. I like the element of like Will um, kind of sensing uh, that you know the monster was back. Um, like I thought that was kind of a cool way to um, to kind of build up um, to essentially like to them all figuring it out. So you have eleven. Um, kind of in, uh, independently piecing together the puzzle and then you have Will who's just got like has had a connection with it and so he could um, sense it too and seeing them like reach reach the same conclusion um, separately. I um, very much loved uh, the kind of like um, uh, I guess girl time um, between Elle and I forget the other girl's name um, but uh, between those two uh, I thought that was that was really really cute and, and definitely good. Um, and from I think I read somewhere that they're like really good friends in real life too. Um, since you know working together this season, um, I always like you know just like to hear stories like that. Um, but yeah, man, overall just 
overall thoughts just in general, I fucking loved it. I I don't know if it's better than season one. I still probably think season one's better, but it was definitely, in my opinion, better than season two. Um, I think it's funny that, you know, they, they kind of set up season two to, to kind of be broader as far as these, these I guess, um, like superhero-powered uh, individuals um, and L not being – like the only one and all that. Yeah, they just fucking dropped that shit because like nobody really liked it. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was probably smart. Um, and it was like it was. I think it was like a lot more contained as far as like the, the just the time frame. Like it only took place over a few days, um, and so I think they were able to get, uh, you know, uh, get a little bit more done. Um, Doing it, doing it that way, strangely enough. Um, but yeah, man. Overall, I fucking loved it, um, and I am totally uh, excited and down for season four now. Um, I've abandoned say, you, Juan. <laughs> I will say, um, the person you were referring to, her name is Robin in the show um, yes. with our our guy Dad Steve. And interesting fact about Robin, Nick. You want to hear a really interesting fact? What's that? Her name is Maya Hawk. Do you know who her dad is? Her name is Maya Hawk. My guess would yep. be Ethan. Absolutely, absolutely. Her nice. dad is That's Ethan cool. Hawk. Yeah, I thought that was super cool. Um, and the other guy you were referring to, Murray Ballman, uh, played by Brett yes. Gelman. Um, yes. And last but not least, you are referring to Max, played by Sadi Singh. Um, yes. I didn't want to stop you while you were in the flow of everything. So I was like, I'll wait till you're done. Then I'll give you the, the names gotcha. you're looking for. Um, but yeah, so those, those were the, uh, the characters. I really didn't like Max. I thought Max was uh, my standout for this season. Um, I enjoyed her a lot. Um, I will say Dad Steve should be more of a prominent character, um, if not the, the linchpin of each season <laughs> that they choose to have. He is legit the coolest individual um, I can remember from a TV show. Um, he, to a degree, is my fond. I just think he's so freaking cool. Uh, everything is cool about him. Even his drop from being cool, I think is cool. I, I think he, he right. handles that so well. Uh, and that's not easy to do. Cause it, we, Nick, we can speak to a lot of the popular kids, like, plateaued in high school. Because, like, now you look at them and you're kind of like, how are you ever cool? I feel like he is right. the one guy who is just cool in all aspects of life. Um, right. Like, even if he dropped off, he's still just so cool. Um, but, excuse me, uh, this season, I, I, I don't know what it was. It, let me preface it by saying it was not a bad season. I just wasn't really blown away by this season. I don't think any season they give me will ever be like the first one, but that's not what I hold it to. Um, I just hold it to being just a good season, and I think it was okay. Definitely better than season two. Season two, I just thought was, what were you guys doing? Um, but I did enjoy aspects of it. I, I will say, Nick, seemingly, because I could be dead wrong, seemingly, I think we can agree that I think you called it with me. I'm, I'm not sure. But we saw the writing on the wall for um, Hopper. Uh, now, whether right. that sticks or not is to be seen. I believe we can kind of put together from the end credit scene, which is badass, by the right. way. Um, that he is still indeed alive. Um, but if he's not... They left the door open. They left it open. They absolutely did. So David Harper's like, yep, I'll come back. They left the door open, and it would make total sense. 
because you would assume the Russians would kidnap him um, to do tests on him uh, and, and stuff like that. So that would hold up. Um, but we saw the writing on the wall. It, just, it felt like it from the trailer where he was kind of having that emotional moment with Elle, and it kind of just mm-hmm. seemed like he's going to risk himself for her. Um, we were wrong in that sense because he risked his life for everyone, um, but it, it just kind of felt like it was coming. And we said heading into the season, you needed to do something that was different than anything you've done before. Something needed to happen to someone that matters. Um, right. And you just you knew they weren't going to kill any of the kids <laughs> because they're just not. Um, and you knew the other secondary characters, like Will's brother, uh, Mac, characters like that, they weren't going to do that. So it took for a hopper death for me to really feel uh, the importance of it. What I want to ask you about, Nick, um, is, and this is the thing I, I couldn't wait to kind of talk to you about, how did you feel about the buyers? Um, technically, that's only who, who moved. But how did you feel about them moving at the end? Did you feel as though that kind of made sense? Um, because technically, wherever you go, if these things still exist, they'll just follow you because, like, your kid and Elle. Um, or did you kind of just see it as, like, they just need a change of scenery? That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Um, I, I mean, I thought the whole of them moving thing totally made sense. I mean, because they had already set it up that, you know, right. that they were they – were, essentially thinking about moving. Um, obviously, really sucks for Elle, um, you know, and Mike, um, and even uh, the older buyer's kid, and, um, and uh, shit, Nancy. I forget. I, I, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. and so, like, you know, that, I mean, that's a, that's a bummer for them. Um, but, I mean, they, they set it up, so it does make sense. But, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about how the, you know, the, the you know, because of having L and Will, that I mean, it it certainly seems like it would follow them. But like, wouldn't you want to be further away? Wouldn't you want it to at least have to like travel some distance to try to find you? <laughs> like, um, not be right next to the hot spot, if you will. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, I I think it kind of made sense, uh, you know, in, in that regard. Um, uh, like, I. Uh, I I wonder when they do season um, uh, season four how it's going to shake out as far as how do you get them back together? Are they just going to be visiting, um, you know, or, or you know how do how does all of that play out? Um, I would imagine they have an idea, um, but uh, but I, I, that um that's probably like one of the biggest questions that I have is how do you get that whole gang back together? I could see I could see because they they set it up through dialogue, and this is why I tell everyone dialogue is so important because you don't have to show it to me. You could just say it. Um, they set up a, a possible scenario um, of – because think about it. We've had a Fourth of July season. We've had a Christmas right. uh, season. Last season, I don't know what what time of the year necessarily was in. Maybe they do a Thanksgiving. Maybe this fourth yeah. season comes out in November. And Thanksgiving, because uh, that's what Mike said. He said, well, I'll, you know, I'll see you on Thanksgiving. You can come here for Christmas. Right. Um, so you have two things to play with in that. Oh, last season was Halloween. That's what it was. Last season was Halloween. Right. Um, so you could do a, a Thanksgiving one uh, to where they come down for Thanksgiving and then all hell breaks loose again. I do not know necessarily if I like the idea. Um, I kind of was hoping after season two they'd find a way to fix it. I don't like the idea of the thing being stationary. So it's just in that town. I would have liked it if 
the whole thing disappeared and then it went into someone. So that way it could move town to town. So then you really mm. fear it's following you. Um, but when you make it stationary, it's like, well, we know they're going to have to come back. How they do it is the question, but they're going to have to come back. I would have right. preferred it if it followed them to their new town, and then the rest of the, the cast had to go meet them to wherever they're at, um, just so we can get a change of scenery um, and kind of stay in a different town and, uh, and explore a different town. Um, so, I mean, I kind of would have preferred that, but, I mean, you know, that's probably me just nitpicking. Um, but, yeah, I would assume Thanksgiving and then a November release is probably what they're aiming for in the next two years. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about is the whole uh, – by the way, I did not know this is how you pronounce this guy's name. So huge shout-out to Jaden, uh, who I watched an interview uh, with, Dacre Montgomery. We've been saying ah, the Creed. I got it right. It's, it's Dacre Montgomery. Um, cool. So that was I really knew it all cool along. Clear. Um, yeah, because I I thought it was I thought I thought you pronounced it the way it was spelled, um, and I'm like, what is the e for? Just take the e off. Um, but it's Baker <laughs> Montgomery. But I, I did want to ask you, Nick, because I, I do think he is a really good actor. Um, I yeah. loved him in in, in Power Rangers. Uh, I I really hope he gets a shot to do a, a sequel with a better director. Um, but I do see a lot of good acting in him. Um, so what did this? What did you get from him in this season? And uh, were you sad at all that this probably will be the last time we see his character? Oh well, this will definitely be the last time we see his character. <laughs> uh, not so much sad, um, but I did like the fact that you know, because obviously, like they have a they have a way of redeeming their their most. Um, I don't want to say flawed, that's not really the word, but like asshole characters, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the the the, the uh, cream of the crop being Steve, because like oh, yeah. Steve sucked in the first season. And then in the second season, that, I mean, to me, that was the best part about the second season was um, the way that they kind of transformed him into this um, – not not just likable character, but beloved character, um, and and so I I think that that aspect of it was cool. Um, I think the way that they did it too with with um, like how L saw some of his memories um, when he was a kid and and when he was happy, and to offer like some explanation as to why um, you know he's he is the way that he is even before he got like infected. Um, you know, I, I, I think that was, that was important. Um, and it obviously was important, not just for the character, um, development, um, but it was important to essentially, um, L being able to, to talk to him and to, to get him to, I guess, fight, um, Fight the the control that uh, the the monster had over him, um, and I thought that was a super fucking powerful scene. Um, I thought it was uh, it was awesome. Like I it, the build up was there. I totally saw it coming, but the delivery was still so good that um, that I I, I just I, I really really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, yeah, like bye bye Billy. Um, but yeah, I mean to, to answer your question, I, like I didn't. I didn't necessarily feel bad for him. I felt bad for Max because um, regardless, I mean, that's her fucking brother, even if he is an asshole. Um, right. 
but I, I was glad that he did get the redemption moment. Um, I mean, that that was certainly um, like a good way for his character to go out. Um, and yeah, like I mean, it was. Uh, I do think uh, Jacob Montgomery is a really good actor. Um, I could definitely see him. Um, you know, being involved in like a MCU movie down the road, especially with like X Men. Um, you know, um, obviously going back Cyclops. to Disney. Oh yeah, he'd be a great fucking Cyclops. Um, I, I think he would make a great Angel because um, he is a very attractive dude, and obviously Angel um, from the comics is a very attractive person. Um, so I, I could see that one as well. Um, so there's a lot of different characters that I could see him playing. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought I thought it was good. I did want to mention. Um, I, I don't want to get too off track. I'll, I'll let you steer the the conversation. Um, but um, I do kind of want to mention it, it, like the um, Susie. Like, granted, we 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 kind of suspect that Hopper somehow survived and was captured by the Russians. But if not, like Susie, you got our you got our dude killed. Like. You had to make Dustin fucking sing that stupid ass song before you gave him the fucking code, uh, and and that was ended up being the, the you know what essentially what got him killed was that two minutes of time that uh, that you cost cost him. So way to go, Susie, you bitch. <laughs> I will say though, um, I didn't get the reference of who Dustin was trying to say she was hotter than. And by no means am I not getting into a conversation. You didn't know who, that's funny. Go ahead. BBK yeah, I, I is the chick from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So, oh, um, okay. And she's also, okay. Okay. you know, like the, the – and Judge Reinhold has like the, the – he's like thinking about her coming out of the pool, and she like takes her top off and everything. Um, like a very iconic, probably the most iconic scene from that movie. Um, and she's also the she's the main uh, girl in Gremlins, as well. Just for more oh, okay, context. Okay. But I, I I did want to alert the the audience as you're listening. Don't worry, no one's getting into a conversation about uh, the looks of children. So I wasn't getting there. I was just saying I didn't get no. his reference when he was saying it. Yeah. Um, so the more he kept saying it, I was just like, that's it. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> um, what, what I did enjoy, though, was that Dustin did have somebody, um, yeah. and I think that was that was the biggest thing because you know, as kids, you embellish like we embellish. Yeah, I went away for like six months. Yeah, of course I got a girlfriend right. while I was out there. So I mean, that's right. just what we do as as boys. Oh, you don't know. I don't want to speak to school. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, right, right. Of course. And then, you know, <laughs> what was the first thing your friends would say? Well, call her. Call her right now. Let, let me hear. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah. you know, now now it's harder to get away with that because it's like, well, she has to have Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, right. something for me to see her. So now right. you, if you're called out on the spot, it's harder to get away with. But then you could go, yeah, she lives in Idaho, you know. I went there right. for camp, you know. You guys can't see her. Um, so you're allowed to get away with that. But I, I, I do love that. Because I did think for a second, and maybe this was clueless of me, but I did think they were going for something between um, what's his name, sister, and uh, and him, and, and Dustin. I thought they were going for that, and I was just kind of like, "This is really weird. Like, oh, why are you yeah, trying to, she's so to make much this older. angle work?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I was like, "This is really weird." Um, but it goes to again why it's important to have movies and shows that have men and, and women as really good friends. 
and not just dated so that it's normal so then we don't see stuff like that interaction and and immediately go, well, are you trying to do a love angle between the two of them and the ages are kind of off? Um, So that's why that's important that we do that more in movies. And they, like you said, they didn't just do it with Dustin and her. They did it with with Steve and uh, Kimberly and Robin. Thank you. Um, which yeah. was great because the way she was talking, it made it seem like she was obsessed with him, but she's like, no, right. not you. I was obsessed with the person obsessed with you. Um, right. so I love that. I, I love that. I, I want to get into, because we see three different journeys here. We see Hopper's journey. Right. Um, we see uh, Dustin's journey, and then we see Elle's journey. Um, actually, we could even say four because we see uh, Max's brother's journey also. Um, so I am curious, yeah. out, of those, out of those four journeys, what journey stood out to you the most um, out of those four journeys? I mean, they were all good. Like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, that they were kind of able to do it in, in the way that they did. Um, and, and, and like I said, because it all took place over the course of, um, like, a, you know, a few days, um, uh, it, it made that possible, you know, like it made it possible um, that uh, you know that they were would would be able to achieve four different stories um, like that. Um, they were so much more successful with it this go round um, than in season two because they tried to kind of do it in season two with Elle and it did just didn't quite work. Um, but this time I thought they nailed it. As far as my favorite, um, probably gonna go with uh, Steve, Robin, and Dustin. Um, and, oh, what, what was, um, what's Jude's sister's name? Uh, blanking on it now. Um, His sister, hold on. Let me see. Let me bring up the, yeah, the cast list. She Who's was you fucking about? great. Lucas's sister? Uh, Lucas's sister, yeah. Uh, Erica. Erica's Erica, that's right. Erica. Um, she was fucking awesome. Like, super, like, super smart. Um, like, you can't spell America without Erica. Like. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was like, oh like, yeah, you can. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and like, and I thought like that was a, a a sweet little like added element. And the other thing that I like too is like you know when Dustin's like explaining all the different shit that happened, she's like, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. And she's like, but Lucas was not there. Like, not my brother. My brother is lame. <laughs> and that's like totally like the. the it was a quintessential sibling rivalry. Like, my brother's too lame for that. Like, and, and, you know, so you know, obviously Dustin's like, wait, do you believe everything that I just told you minus Lucas being a part of it? Yeah, like, totally. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, and uh, I love that. Like I already said, I love um, Steve and Robin's relationship, and, you know, you expounded upon that by saying it's important to have um, have – male and female characters that are, are, um, you know, just friends and that's okay. Um, and they don't need it to be anything more than that. Um, and, and that's really good. Um, and it was cool too. Cause it was like when Steve pieced, pieced together, like w- what she was telling him, um, he was just, it, it's not like he was like, you know, like terribly upset about it. He was just, he was like, Oh, Oh, all right, well, I guess that kind of sucks, but whatever. Like, I mean, I, I still, like, I mean, but he was, you know, he's still like, well, I mean, I still, like, like you, so, like, like we can totally be friends. And, like, the way they ended it with them getting the jobs at the 
at the video store, um, like that's great. Like I fucking love that. So like they're just they're gonna continue being friends and and you know, um, so I, I love that element. But definitely like just those characters and the way they interact. And of course, you know we you and I have been the biggest uh, proponents of Dad Steve, um, and so we got that back with um, you know him and Dustin. Uh, oh, and and just like when they get the truth serum, that shit was fucking hilarious. Um, that was hilarious. so. So yeah, that that's got to be my favorite out of video. Which one was yours? Um, I'd say the the thing that made me laugh the most. It was such a small line, but it was when Robin goes, "How many kids are you friends with?" And it was kind of like <laughs> it is a little yeah. weird. Like we know we know why why they have such a great friendship, but to someone on right. the outside. It's really weird the amount of kids that this grown man <laughs> is friends with. It's like, all right, man, right. Like, relax. Like, it, it made more sense if Steve had, like, a little brother around their age, and it's like, well, he sees them all the time. It's like, no, right. no, he doesn't. He's just friends with kids. <laughs> it's, like, right. it's a little weird, man. Um, but I will say that the, the one thing I was hoping we got, um, it did, didn't necessarily have to be this season, but – Whatever the last season is, one thing I did want, and I was I was kind of feeling like they were trying to build towards it, but I can be completely wrong. I wanted it to be because I I feel like everyone has their place except Will. So what I yeah. always wanted for Will's character was for them to find a way to uh, possess Will. Like obviously something is still in him that um you know that draws him to to this monster. So have it be to where Will has this final standoff against Eleven. So it's a betrayal that the kids don't see coming. Um, and it's something that you haven't really done, because remember, Will, Will wasn't a bad guy in season one. Um, the thing just lived inside of him. Uh, so he wasn't right. necessarily the bad guy. So I just want them to do, and it doesn't even have to be that. I could just be grasping at straws, but you have to do something to make Will's character more interesting, because I feel right. really bad for him. Because even if you check out the interviews and stuff, it just seems like the interest is more towards the other kids. And Max gets more attention, and she's new. <laughs> so right. it's like you got to do something to make Will's character more interesting. Because albeit I felt really sad for him this season, um, if you don't do something to drastically make him just more entertaining, I'm going to be bored with him next season. And I don't want that. Right. Because I do think the kid is a good actor, but you just give – no meat <laughs> to that character. That it's just it's draining, honestly. Sometimes to, to hear him talk, to just see him in a scene, because everyone else brings something except for him. Um, so you spent the whole first season making him depressing because the thing lives in him. Then the second season because he's going through like PTSD, and now this season because he just feels all alone. So you just and he was like something. barely in the first season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Barely in it. Um, so you kind of just have to do something. So so I, I will ask you before we, we move forward, how did you feel about Will? Do you feel the same way, or, or am I just coming out of left field with this? No, I, I definitely kind of – you know, I, I can see where you're coming from and probably even agree with you. Um, and, and I, you know, I don't know – I don't necessarily like your, your face-off idea um, between he and Eleven, um, but I don't like – I don't – like I don't have the answer. Like I don't know – like – kind of what you do um but like but you're right like in season one he was almost kind of like the MacGuffin you know like he was he was the you know the kid that wasn't around that they had to go retrieve and all that um and then but like 
you know, it was basically, and you know, I mentioned earlier, I did like that he had the connection with the monster because it at least gave him like something to make him, um, you know, relevant. Um, and I and I thought that was um, good on their part. Um, but it does seem like you can maybe do it, you can definitely do more with that character. Um, it's just a question of you know what do you do, and that I'm I I don't know. I don't I don't have the answer to, um, but you know I I, I think um, that that probably should be, um, hope hopefully will be something that they um, they really explore in season four. I do also want to see more of like if you're gonna use those things that we saw at the end of uh, at the end of this season like that that monster, I do want to mm-hmm. either see more of those. Or I want to see something, like, I, the way this monster looked, I, I wasn't sold on it. I didn't really like it. I liked the yeah, design of no, just okay. Yeah, it was just blob. I liked the design of the monster we saw at the end. It's more person-like. Um, so seeing the face-off would be more uh, more interesting. So I want you, I, I want them, not you, I'm sorry, Nick. I want them to either develop more of that um, or give give one of these monsters the ability to turn, uh, to kind of be like a scroll, to where they can kind of blend in. They can kind of blend in, um, and it doesn't necessarily make them act weird or anything like that. Um, just something more to, to humanize it. Uh, it. We have a lot that, that Season 4 has to give us. Is L powerless forever? We know that's not the case. Um, I would also like the idea of Nick, since the the beast is not not inside of Will, but something is inside of Will. Give him give him a power. Like it doesn't have to be L's power, but give him something. Um, yeah. You know, you, just, you have to do something with Will because I just feel so bad that they continue to do nothing with this kid. And I think all of these kid actors are good actors, or have potential to be, but you got to give them more. Um, and I think all of them have the advantage of some of them have done their own movies, their own shows, and this kid is just this. Like, this is all I've seen him in. Um, so it's like, give more to him. Um, but let's, let's talk about that end credit scene, which I thought was a, 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 good, um, a good thing that they did, because I honestly wasn't going to stick around for the end credits. Um, so, you know, I fast-forwarded, uh, and I'm glad I did, because I got to it. Um, but what were your thoughts on the end credit scene? Yeah, it's funny. I did the same thing. Like I was, um, I, I like, I was about to like turn it off, and I saw that it had like a more time than what 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 I thought would just be like some credits. So yeah, I, I kind of fast forwarded through, and then I was like, oh okay, cool. There is something here. Um, but yeah, I I like it. it it's fine. Um, I it obviously you know it gives you the the hope or whatever that Hopper is still alive. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be Hopper, obviously, um, but, but it, it seems like that was kind of the, the, um, what they were angling for the viewer to, to think. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, my biggest thing is like, how do you, we saw how it can go wrong when you focus when you try to take it too far away from the meat and potatoes of it. And so that would be my only thing is like, how do they, how do they still kind of keep it contained enough to where it's not just this sprawling thing. Um, But I I did think they did a good job incorporating the, the, 
like, um, you know, Russian, uh, you know, Red Dawn elements and stuff uh, in this season. Um, and so, I mean, I, I can see that, you know, continuing to work um, as long as they're tactful in how they handle it. I just hope they don't go like, too much into it, you know, or even like, let's say Hopper is back and he's, he spends like the majority of the season, like, held captive and we don't really get his interactions with all these other characters throughout the whole season. Um, that's not going to be something that I'm terribly like invested in. Like take, for example, um, Arya, uh, Arya Stark in um, Game of Thrones. Like she was from start to finish, probably my favorite character, but her couple seasons when she was not in Westeros and she was over, um, at you know the the house of black and white, I think, um, and and training to be a faceless man, like that was the least interesting parts of her you know whole arc. Um, now obviously she had to go through them, um, you know, to get to where she was. Uh, but having her separated, not with any of those characters that she interacted so well with, um, it definitely made it less a lot less appealing um, to follow her storyline. I would hate to see that with Hopper. Yeah, the biggest thing with me about Hopper is uh, it felt I felt as emotional about Hopper as I did when uh, Stark died in, in Endgame. And albeit yeah. we know that there is a possibility Stark could come back in the future, the the way I I said that the Stark thing could work for me to where I, you know, it's cool to see him again, but I still feel that raw emotion of of when he died is if you wait until after like I'm talking five, maybe ten years from now, where you do an X-Men versus Avengers. Like, make it be that big, or make it be Galactus big, that you then have to right. go and, and, and get an Iron Man character. But I want to see this team have to make it on their own before you talk about bringing back Cap in, in, in Iron Man. Um, so with Hopper, I kind of would like to see the first few episodes, because if you're doing eight again, I would like to see at least three episodes to where everyone's just existing without Hopper. Like the, the town has a new police chief or chief police, uh, chief of police. Sorry. Um, like everyone's moved on uh, from Hopper. Now, whether that's months, uh, weeks, uh, a year, whatever. Um, I want to see that time has passed. Uh, but what I don't necessarily want them to do that kind of feels like they might is I don't want you to make a weapon out of Hopper. Um, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know how I'd feel about that. It just wouldn't. It, it'd feel bad. It'd feel yucky. Um, so I, it just it it kind of feels like that's what they're probably gonna do because the Russians obviously will have to be in season four. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I like any of that. Um, so I don't yeah, know. Don't what make to do him the Winter Soldier. Right. Exactly. Don't follow that formula. It only works for Marvel. Um, but yeah, to me the mindset is. Let Hopper be, be you know, stay dead. Um, you know, especially if you're talking – I'll say this, Nick. I'm sorry. I'm just rambling. I'll say this. It'll depend on how many seasons Netflix wants to continue with Stranger Things. Like, if you're telling right. me next season is the last season, let Hopper stay dead. It'll mean more um, that that was the last time we saw him. But if you're talking about right. you want to do two more seasons, I could see towards the end of next season you bring him back. Um, and then the, the final season is him becoming readjusted. Uh, Eleven's now way older than, than when he left her. Um, the town is different, uh, stuff like that. Um, yeah. But to me, 
I'd prefer that formula than for you to say, all right, well, we're going to do three more seasons, but we're bringing them back next season. And it's like, well, I kind of want to stick with this death. Like Stark, um, seeing Spider-Man and seeing Stark everywhere hurt more because it's like, ah, he's probably not coming back. Um, right. So I want to feel that with Hopper. But do you kind of kind of feel the same? you want to kind of sit with this death for at least a season maybe? Well, for at least the beginning of next season. Like, um, you know, like, I mean, uh, and and potentially, like, you could have him, like, like, you could have next season just completely without him, and then it be revealed at the end of that season that it was him in that, you know, in that, in that prison, um, and then, and then, go, you know, kind of go from there. Um, I mean, that, that seems certainly plausible. Um, I didn't even think about, like, the using him as a weapon. Like, I wonder if it would be to, like, to have some sort of mind control and then and then send him back. Um, and, and, and I don't know how I would feel about that. Like, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it, I could, it could certainly work, but go ahead. No, I was going to say I can see the storyline of them sending him back uh, as not necessarily a weapon, but like a um, – uh, they use him to bring L to them because they think L is how they can uh, open the thing back up. Um, right. So they kind of, you know, they kind of send them in like that. But you know, you don't, you don't really have his memories and stuff. So he's gonna kind of seem off. So L is gonna right. kind of pick up on that. They, they discover that you know he's a plant from the Russian stuff like that. Like I could see that writing on the wall. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't know if I would like that is what right. I'm saying. Like, I don't know yeah, if I would like that. I, it would have to be very well done. Um, but, uh, but yeah, as far as – so, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about that. And then, um, like, the and the thing that really got me, like, well, there's, there was a couple things. Like, I mean, his, his kind of moment, you know, where he didn't have to say anything. He just, like, you know, gave Winona Ryder that kind of look, and she, you know, turned the t- – turn the keys and everything. Um, <laughs> but, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the, the two moments that really got me was when Will runs up to hug her and she's looking at L and she's L's looking for Hopper and he's just not going to come. Um, to which I was like, all right, I get it. I get that. Like, you know, you're happy to see your son again. Like, go hug L. <laughs> like, like, um, it's like when uh, when Princess Leia uh, went and hugged Rey um, at, at the end of uh, The Force Awakens, and you're like, "What? Chewie doesn't get no hug? Like, come on, bro! Um, like, give more hugs. That's that's I guess my motto in life. Um, and uh, <laughs> but like, what really got me? Like, I mean, I was fucking like bawling. Like, I you know, like I'm I'm kind of sensitive to to um, uh, like. Uh, Father son, father daughter, you know, any anything like that. Um, but uh, but man, that when she was reading that note, I was like, damn, Hopper, like that was so fucking good, dude. Like, um, I, you know, I, I I loved it. Like that was that was the moment. And like, so I don't. However, they decide to you know do things going forward. I don't want to. Um, I I don't want it to like. Um, I don't want that moment to be lessened, um, which just bringing him back in and of itself wouldn't necessarily do. But if but if they brought him back as like a, you know, um, 
you know, like we were saying, like kind of like a mind control type thing, that might kind of make it feel weird then. Um, not sure. I mean, it, it still is not necessarily the case, but it could be. Um, so, I mean, that would that would kind of scare me a little bit. Yeah, I will say out of the entire letter, I think what made me cry the most was when um, he said, and please, for God's sake, three <laughs> inches. Like, inches. I was like, yeah. oh. Oh, he had his yeah. last dad moment with her with that. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, that that to me was the equivalent of when Tony just hugged Peter. Because um, if you remember the callback to Homecoming where um, mm-hmm. he's like, all right, here's your stop. And Peter goes mm-hmm. to hug him, and he's like, no, no, not right. hugging you. I'm trying to get the door We're not there yet, so kid. Get out. <laughs> yeah, right. we're not there yet. Um, and then you see the emotional uh, journey that him and Stark went on together, uh, all mm-hmm. of Homecoming. Civil War, um, Infinity War, um, and then him feeling all that guilt when he sees him disappear in his hands. Um, so, I mean, with, with the Hopper situation, you see him just trying to be the best dad he could be. You know, he hasn't done this since he lost his, uh, his daughter. Um, so him trying to remember how to be not only a cool dad, but, you know, the dad that's like, all right, well, you guys aren't about to be in the room by yourself just kissing and stuff all day. Like, that, that's not about to happen under my roof. Um, I right. love that dynamic, and I, I loved um, him trying to get uh, advice uh, from his buyers and then completely botching it and just going, you know what, I'll just scare him. I'll scare him. Yeah. That'll get him to stay away. <laughs> like, I love the idea of that. Um, and and I'm, I'm with you, Nick. To me, I kind of feel like bringing him back wrong lessens everything you just tried to do. Um, right. And, and don't, don't do that, you know? Um, you know what else? That I, that I really liked because you just made me think of this. Um, I like the fact that, like, you know, when when um, Mike is like basically trying to explain to L, like, like, you know, look, like he he like he like threatened me or whatever, and like it, he like scared me or what, you know, and you know he 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 thinks you know that he don't want to spend all you know too much time together or whatever, and and like. I felt like they were setting that up for her to get mad at him, and she and it's kind of cool because she realizes it in the like in his absence and her hanging out with Max that like he's right like you don't need to spend every single day with the same person like right. um like your your kids like you need to be kids you need to have uh, different friends and and uh d- you know different things um. And I, I, I think it was kind of cool that she realized it, um, and maybe he, he, you know, definitely didn't go about it in the best way. Like, but, um, but I, I, I thought that was that was good, um, you know. But both that they didn't take it in the direction that I was thinking they were going to take it, um, and also to just have the evolution of Elle's character. And Nick, we have to be super proud of Max because Max gave us our Wonder Woman. Uh, little yes. egg. Yeah, I thought that was really dope, and and you know I cool. thought it was also dope that they went with Wonder Woman to kind of give um L like an idea of like you know these strong female uh people to to kind of look up to. Um, mm-hmm. so I would love it if in season four L's now this huge fan of comic books. I would completely love it. Um, maybe even seeing her if they you know her try to dress up as Wonder Woman or something like it would just be awesome. Uh, to see her yeah. kind of dig into comics now 
uh, that Max kind of queued that up for. But I, I will say we started the season with uh, this season specifically with um, her and, and Mike always together, like you said. So it was good to kind of have Max be like, all right, listen, I have a boyfriend too, but like, do you see him here right now? No. Like, we can't always be together. Like, you know, right. what do you like? Do something for you. And seeing them right. go through the shopping yeah, montage that was, and stuff like that. That was, was great. a great scene. Yeah, that was great. A hundred percent. So, I mean, th- this season did a really great job on um, properly defining their female characters to where I would even mm-hmm. say the female characters were the heroes of this season on every level. On Because uh, remember how we said there were four different stories? On each of those four stories, without the girl, you, you know, everyone in the town is dead. Um, right. So, I mean, I, I love that. And I think, again, we need more of it to normalize it so when we see it, we're not looking at it like it's this rare treasure. Um, it's right. just something we're used to. Um, so, bravo, Stranger Things, for doing that because that was very well done. Um, but, yes, I, I, I don't want to ask you to grade it because I kind of feel like I want to let you sit with it and maybe give it another watch through unless you feel comfortable grading mm-hmm. it um, already. Well, I mean, I kind of already did. I don't, I don't necessarily so – as far as like a letter grade or whatever, like I mean I would – like I said, I, I think it – I thought it was definitely better than season two. Um, and I like season two just fine. Like it just it, – it just to me, seasons one and three are just, just a lot better. I mean I would say definitely like a, a B plus to A minus, like just for me personally. Um, like I was, I was that like kind of thoroughly entertained. Um, and like, you know, I, I'm, <clears throat> it's funny because, um, you know, I, I pretty much wake up most mornings at 6am, um, to get ready for work and then, um, you know, wake up around 8am ish, you know, on, on days off. Cause just cause my body's acclimated to it. Like it takes a lot for me to like stay up, dude. I stayed up until like 5am watching, uh, watching like binging it. Like, I was like, I'm not going to, like, I can't stop. <laughs> like, the last two episodes, I'm like, I'm just dying. Like, I'm like, oh, God, I'm so ready to go to sleep. Um, but, uh, but I mean, that I mean that tells you really all you need to know. Yeah, that's why I said, because I thought it came out Friday. That's why I said I was super proud of you that, that you got through all of it, even though it's eight episodes. And I will say this, to it being eight episodes, shame on you if this was the true case. Shame on you, Marvel not just um, agreeing to do eight episodes for your Marvel shows because now that I've seen this season of Stranger Things, I'm like, yeah, eight seasons kind of can work. Like, remember, eight, eight, it's, it's told pretty much the perfect eight, number, eight to ten. Exactly, exactly. And think about how Stranger Things was able to do it. It took four different storylines. It yeah. was able to get through all four of them and meet in the middle by eight episodes. So it's like, come on, Marvel. Like, after the first season where you establish the characters, like, I get establishing them, maybe have that as, like, 10 to maybe 11. But once they're established, I don't – we don't really need 13 per season. It's good, you know, like, for Daredevil and stuff, it's good. But we don't really need it. So, just saying, shame on you. Um, You know, if that's what what broke all this up. Um, But we got got Tia back on. Uh, Tia, we just went through everything we loved about Stranger Things. If if I had to give a grade, Nick, to be fair, uh, because I I made you give one, I'd say a solid B. Um, Can't really go any higher than that. It was just a solid B to me. Um, Like I said, it wasn't bad, but it was just a few things I just really didn't like. Um, 
But, Theo, we, we did uh, enjoy Stranger Things, so when you finish, we would definitely love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, Nick, I, I'm not sure. Did you see Spider-Man Far From Home yet? I have not. Um, so Good. Okay. All, all of all of the brownie points that I earned for having already watched uh, all of Stranger Things are out the window now. <laughs> no, honestly, because like I said, I'm still super proud of you for getting through all of that when you did. So, no, uh, no judgment here. When you see it, uh, you see it. But just be mindful to stay off of Facebook because people saw yeah. Tuesday. So there's a likelihood a spoiler is floating around somewhere on Facebook. I'm going to try my best to delete it if I see it, but just keep an eye out for that. Um, oh, there's a lot bro, of I think I think I already I, – and don't – I'm not asking for confirmation here. But I think I, think I already got the, the um, po- mid-credit scene, I think. Uh, spoiled for me um, just from a headline, um, and I was like, "Damn it!" Like, because some a uh, buddy of mine had seen it and was like, "Dude, just wait for the mid credits. Wait till you see the mid credits scene. It's so awesome!" And I was like, super geeked for it. And then like just this headline on on an article, and I was like, "Oh, motherfucker!" Like, <laughs> but hey, maybe yeah, it's not it's, it. I don't know. It's no. I, I'll say this: we're we're in a time to where it's like now we have so much access to to news. It's like mm-hmm. if you don't see it opening day or within that, that day or two, it's literally yeah. everywhere. Um, right. So, I mean, that, that, that sucks if you did get spoiled. Um, I really hope you didn't because it's one of those things where it's like the less you know about that movie, the better. Um, mm-hmm. You can kind of go into it um, not knowing and then leaving it like, oh, my God, I did not see that coming, that coming. Um, so please do let me know once you have seen it. Because I desperately want to know your thoughts. We had like a small review about it on Geeks Against the Grain, but I definitely have to talk about it with you, uh, with you, Nick. So definitely let us know Word. when you see it. Um, all right, uh, Tia. Like I said, um, <laughs> your homework is to finish Stranger Things so I can get your opinion, <laughs> and Nick, your homework is to see Spider Man so I can get your opinion. Um, Word. But yeah, no, we had a great show. Everyone, please make sure you stay tuned. Uh, you listen to top 10 that uh, came out earlier uh, today. Make sure you listen to Geeks Against the Grain that we did Friday. And please make sure you head into this new week with Monday Suck, uh, uh, Full Court Press, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and um, another episode, of course, of Geeks Against the Grain and Geek Vibes Live and Top 10. Um, And like I said, we we possibly have some interviews coming down the pipeline, but the biggest thing to look forward to in this upcoming week is I think either this week or maybe next weekend is San Diego Comic-Con, and we have people out there. We have foots on the ground um, for San Diego Comic-Con, so we'll have all the news, all the photos, videos, and stuff ready for you guys, so we'll probably dedicate a Geek, uh, Geek Vibes Live episode to purely breaking down all the news that come from San Diego, so Stay tuned for that. We have a lot of stuff coming you guys' way. Nick, Tia, thank you both so much uh, for joining me for this episode. And that's it. We will see you guys same time, same place next week. Peace. Peace. Yeah.